everyone knows this product. You see it in bars, you see it on TV, et cetera, et cetera. But there's never really been an obvious place to buy your own and have loads of choice and create your own easily online. So pretty much what I figured I would do is create that solution. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Andre from Cartloop, and today I'm joined by my friend Matt Matthew Kelly, the founder of Neon Beach. If you haven't heard about Neon Beach so far, uh, it's one of the fastest growing DTC brands I've ever seen. Matt took Neon Beach from zero to over eight figures in revenue in just a little bit over eight months. So uh, an amazing growth throughout this growth. There's been plenty of challenges, which Matt talks about, and we're pretty much going to cover his journey from dropping out of university to pursue commerce, to shutting down his seven-figure dropshipping business overnight. And we're also going to find out what it's like to be approached by Wiz Khalifa and how to build a massive influencer community without actually spending a dime. So a lot to cover. There's so many golden nuggets across this episode. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, another day of lockdown, but I guess the world is a strange place right now. So just getting on with the things that things that I can control. Um, busy, busier than ever, I suppose, which is good. Um, productively busy, I think. So yeah, getting on with it. How are you? Yeah, pretty good as well. It's been a, quite a quite a productive last few months, although you know there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on. But when you're just uh, when you're just stuck in your home, <laughs> I guess all yeah, you have to sure. do all you all you can do is just work. So yeah, yeah, thanks. Awesome. So um, what are you currently doing? And uh, you know, when it comes to Neon Beach, how, how you got started? And yeah, just we can just start. Yeah, with this. cool. Yeah, so I, f- I feel like I've told this brief story probably a million times but i'm probably good at telling it um so i'm 24 now i I run two different e-commerce brands full-time i have midnight city um which is predominantly a uk-based jewelry brand but we sell worldwide as well and then more recently i launched neon beach literally like seven months ago which has grown incredibly quick so my time is split between the two probably 70 30 neon to midnight right now to be honest um with the goal of building a like a portfolio of brands like over the next 10 20 years like that's where i want to go like super long term um but how I got into it all, um, I say I've been in e-com about five years on and off. Like I, I had my first Shopify store, if you like, when I was 19. I had a clothing brand. Um, I kind of got into e-commerce through designing logos and so on. That was always my passion and my, my interest. I was kind of into design more than anything. I, then I kind of slowly figured out how to monetize parts of that. You know, had a clothing brand like I feel like everyone does. Completely didn't know what I was doing. Wasn't running any paid traffic or anything. Um, this was like five years ago. Um, had a leggings brand at one point where I was printing colorful leggings because I used to do rowing at uni and some girls wanted them. and I, I figured I would make them and sell them online. Did a bit better with that. Um, then had another clothing brand with a mate while I was in uni. At this point, I dropped out of uni. Um, so I've been full time, like three and a half years. But then that went tits up. So then I got into the drop shipping space for about a year and a half. You basically, um, you basically just dropped out and just decided to focus on e-com? Or does, or yeah, does... yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I had a decent business at the time. Like I was making well enough money to leave. It wasn't like I just dropped out and went to live at home or anything. Um, 
I just figured I, I'd stopped going to uni at that point. Like we had a decent sized business. We were probably doing like 30 to 50 grand a month while I was in uni. And at the time that was crazy. So I was like, we had an office and everything, Thought I was Mr. Big Shot. Um, but then that went tits up because we had like a lawsuit against the name of the brand. It's called Dusk. And we basically oh, got wow. sued and we had to close the brand down. Otherwise I would have been fucked. Um, at the time I had a business partner who was actually now my media buyer, but I'll come on to that in, later. But um, yeah. we basically just broke down the business and I just went traveling. I started doing the whole nomad thing. Had a bit of money saved up, but I was like, fuck this. I want to get back into econ. Um, I need to make some money. Um, <laughs> got into the drop shipping space. Uh, I'll try and keep it short. Got into the drop shipping space. Um, yeah. Basically learned about building teams, properly scaling ads. Probably did, I don't know, maybe high seven figures in revenue drop shipping. So I made a decent chunk. Um, but it was very much a lifestyle business. I wasn't really thinking super long-term. I was just kind of like, oh, this is cool. I'm making like really good money while in Bali or whatever. Met a lot of people that were doing similar stuff. And I think that's a real kind of theme for people that do the whole travel thing. It's like they're making decent money dropshipping, but where does it go from there? So I kind of, about a year and a half ago, I was like, well, I want to get back into the brand building space. Maybe a bit more than a year and a half. Um, so I literally, I just launched Midnight City out of nowhere because I, I knew how supply chain works and I had contacts in China or whatever. Just literally launched that out of nowhere, to be honest. Wasn't really planning it very much. Um, yeah, then just went cold turkey on drop shipping like overnight, which in you hindsight just, might, just... might have been stupid. Like I literally just cut all my cash flow and was like, fuck this. I'm not, not building anything of any value, really. Wow. I just started to feel weird about it. I was like, I'm just selling, you know, just AliExpress <laughs> crap from China, which is what pretty much everyone does. And that's fine, but I just had got to the end of it and I was like, okay, well, I want to do something that's at least it's like, building a genuine product you know so and obviously like jewelry is not exactly reinventing the wheel um but you know i just felt better about that and i just got in focus on that scaled it up relatively quick um it's a very lean business um and i guess that's like about a year and a half old now properly scaling it um i've never been super interested in that brand to be honest i just you know i just i just started it because i wanted to get back into being creative building a brand designing products from scratch um but yeah that's done very well i mean just multi six figures a month like it's very profitable relatively like percentage wise because the margins are huge i don't see it though being my major long-term play and i I don't really want it to be either because i'm actually looking at selling that brand right now which i think i mentioned to you previously so it's very self-sustaining i honestly probably spend half an hour a day on that i have a team of about six people it's very well managed you know we have a fulfillment center that does all all the stock management all the fulfillment so i don't touch anything so in a way, it's, it's a beautiful business. Um, you know, it'll probably do three to four million in revenue this year in pounds um, f- for that brand by itself, which is decent. It's not massive, massive, but it's not small either. Um, it's kind of a good level. Um, but then the neon thing, which is kind of what the main thing I suppose we're talking about, is I literally started that in my bedroom in December last year. So I've been properly going at it about seven months, but well properly about six and a half in terms of like running ads and so on but call it seven um and really i just started that because i couldn't find what i wanted to have like genuinely where it was never the case with the jewelry to be honest i just started that because i saw i thought you know easy to sell whatever there's loads of competitors but with the neon thing i genuinely even now don't think there's anyone else doing what we're doing at least to the scale that we're doing it yeah um and yeah it's been a classic case of i mean for for my fucking I just for put the people my, that my foot my foot to the floor scaling it yeah i mean for the people that are listening you know for the first time and they're hearing about neon beach maybe you can briefly tell me what it is and you know what do you sell 
Yeah. Oh, in a nutshell, we sell customizable neon signs, LED neon to be specific. Um, basically, I just couldn't see anywhere. Like everyone knows this product. You see it in bars, you see it on TV, et cetera, et cetera. But there's never really been an obvious place to buy your own and have loads of choice and create your own easily online. So pretty much what I figured I would do is create that solution. And yeah, it's, it's scaled incredibly quick, to be honest with you. Um, it's on track to do like over, well, eight figures in its first year in pounds, which is wow. insane, really. That's, um, but that's it's been insane. a fucking, yeah, it's been a, <laughs> been a, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but it's been a very, very, very quick learning curve. But I, I mean, it still very much is. It's not, it's not a perfect business by any means yet, but um, we've built a team. I think we're on 32 full-time team members now, um, the majority of which wow. are in the Philippines. I, I use an agency for all my kind of, process driven stuff which works really well for me i use that across both brands and then i have maybe four full-timers in the uk as well so across the whole business i think there's about 35 people now um which is quite a lot i suppose um that's growing really quick but but yeah it's just been a real scrappy kind of i suppose my analogy for how i've scaled this so quick and how i I intend to scale it and kind of how i've scaled everything in the past but definitely neon beach is i think a lot of people try and perfect things thinking that when they've perfected it then then is the time to scale and grow it but for me i like to get the momentum throw a load of shit at the wall so you know pump the ads if you see something working like put your foot to the floor if you've got the budget and resources which i do and kind of refine it on the way so like i like to look at it as like if i want to build a beautiful sculpture which is like this great business that has long-term potential i need to get a big lump of metal first but if i'm not willing to to like put my balls on the line and you know really go for it at the start then i'm never going to have enough to play with and you know have the cash flow have the awareness to build that great brand long term so that's kind of where i'm at now it's like we've scaled it super quick there's been a load of problems as there is when you scale something so quick but also because of coronavirus just as we started to scale up like really quick um all our production in china has been massively delayed because we're currently producing all in china um, I've actually literally agreed a deal with a UK factory about a month ago. So all our stuff's going to be UK made as of next month, which I think oh. is a big risk. It's a big, well, not a risk. It's a big commitment financially because ba- we've basically got our own factory now that no one else is is using. Um, that's pretty much the contract we've got with this supplier. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just trying to lay the foundations now to build what I think can be potentially a nine-figure business. Like that's really the way I'm looking at it. Um, I, I really want to reinvent the interior lighting space with that that's really kind of the vision i mean it's still super super new but i'm not viewing it as like you know get rich quick you know e-commerce like make a million in bali blah blah, blah. i'm not viewing <laughs> it as that i, I want to build like a legitimate thing that's huge we're currently looking at we've got two licensing deals as well with with major global tv shows about to be about to go through basically they've been in the works for ages so, so that sort of thing it has huge potential yeah. with as well so it's not just like running facebook ads selling online I, I think it can be like you know i think it can be globally huge beyond that um but yeah it's still very early days so yeah i guess that kind of brings me to now so i've got got the two brands um been in e-commerce full-time three and a half years and yeah still very much figuring it out as i go but yeah there we are yeah, that's that's such an amazing story, and uh, I know we've been talking in the past for 
maybe like I, I think I know you since you had that legging brand, leggings brand. So I pretty much yeah, have shit, been following your yeah, I've been pretty much uh, you know following your story. And uh, for people that are listening, uh, this sounds you know this sounds like a like like an overnight success. You know, like oh she like you know this guy just started like seven months ago and now he's like pulling you know like seven or eight figures uh, you know in sales. And the thing is that there's has been at least, you know, you know, at least from my perspective, seeing from the outside, there has been uh, a bunch of things that you've done up until this point to get where you are. And yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to Neon Beach, which is probably your fastest growing brand uh, to date, um, how did like how did things happen? So you were in December, you were in your living room, or you know, you're in your apartment. And you decided, you know, to yeah. search for that product. You you couldn't find it. And when did you when did you realize, you know, I'm gonna turn this into a business? Yeah, fuck. It's actually weird, like, because it feels like it's happened so. Well, I mean, it has happened quick, but I actually almost don't even even remember how I, why, at what point I decided to make it a thing. But I think the important point is, well, I mean, basically, I had had a glass neon sign, a traditional neon sign I'd bought from like Amazon. For like ridiculous money ages ago and it smashed when i'd moved house and, and then i was like oh that's a bit shit um and i couldn't really find any you know obvious dominating brand at least you know on instagram like direct to consumer that was doing this and making it easy like there was a load yeah. of kind of chinese factories selling on amazon but there was no real brand presence i guess it's probably kind of similar to how the, the teeth and what teeth whitening space was back in like 2012 before like high smile and snow whatever came in and like probably branded it that's kind of how I feel about this space now. Um, in terms of starting it out, like I think people get too fancy. Like I've already done like multi, multi seven figures from over brand and other stuff before this. And I literally just bought a sample, filmed the ad on my iPhone with me talking. I didn't outsource it to anyone, none of that crap. I just kept it simple, which from experience, by the way, is a lot better, but we can come on to that. Um, then I literally made the website myself, designed the logo myself, made all the mock-ups for the products myself, put the ad up myself. For, for the first month, I did literally everything myself. I'm talking like customer service emails, communicating directly with the supplier. I was literally making a PDF for every single order because they're all custom made, sending wow. it to the factory. And then like, it was a very basic process. And yeah, and, and that was from like day one to like, well, the first month really. I guess it moved pretty quick. Um, and then I just thought, okay, well, this has legs. And then, you know, with the experience I've got, I just, you know, hired the first team member, which I think was customer service, pretty standard. Um, and then there was an order process person I hired. It's, it's a very complicated backend compared to my jewelry stuff because everything's custom made. So like there's so many automations that we've had to build from scratch. And like the supply chain is horribly complicated, which is probably a good thing because I think it's a lot harder to compete with me than something like jewelry where you can just kind of white label anything and you know put it in a warehouse and sell it because this stuff is not easy to make and it's not cheap to make either um but yeah like literally just did everything myself um wow which i think is the best way to start and then very 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 quickly just put my foot to the floor on like ad spend and so on got my media bar on it um yeah and i guess to the point where we are now and it's grown every single month for the first seven months and yeah, and I think it's going to continue doing that into Q4. And really, yeah, I mean, it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind, to be fair. It's, there's a lot of problems <laughs> along the way. But yeah, to keep it simple, 
absolute self at the start. And I think that's always the best way to do anything, even if you're a fucking billionaire, because you need to understand every part of the business before you can expect someone else to do it for you. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now, if, if you take a look on your Instagram page, uh, I mean, you know, Neon Beach Instagram page is just crazy. Like so many awesome pictures. Uh, how was it like, how did you scale up that part of the business where right now you have a lot of user generated content, which yeah. you can obviously can, uh, you know, you can leverage in your ads, emails and so on. How, how did that, like, how did that happen? Yeah. So I think the product is literally the most perfect product in the world for Instagram. Firstly, because it's so fucking visual. Like the first ads I did were literally, well, the majority of the ads we run, which do well, and even now are just me in my, in like my bedroom. I think the most liked picture on Instagram is just me in my bedroom. Um, but the Instagram app absolutely blew up from the start. I think we got like 10,000 followers in like the first week. Like, and I'm, I, people have accused me of buying followers and whatever, because I think we're on like 420,000 or whatever in seven months. I swear to God, I've not bought a single follower. This is absolutely organic. 90% of the followers are UK and US. There's no like Indian followers or whatever, you know, spam spec. Um, but yeah, it's insane. We've been getting like 5,000 followers a day on average since we started. Like it's, it's ludicrous. Um, and I just think because it's so scroll stopping, you know, like it's just different. Yeah. Um, and one thing I really noticed in the start, and we've done a lot of, we're probably going to do more of it, is um, influencers are reaching out to us to do a collaboration. And I'm talking like big ones. We have, we've had people with 6 million followers post stuff for free because they just wanted a sign. Whereas that's not the case with jewelry. You have to pay them a load. Um, we even sent a sign to Mia Khalifa, the world's most famous porn star. She hasn't actually posted it yet, to be fair. She said she would, but she messaged us asking for one. We've got a few signs going out to Wiz Khalifa, the rapper as well. He claims he'll post. I'm not sure he will, but it's still worth a punt. But things like that, um, it's just different. So for the first time ever, yeah, in influencers have been asking us for stuff instead of like the opposite way around. Because... I mean, firstly, it's so visual, but secondly, there's just no real brand players doing this yet. I mean, there's a few, but there's no one to the scale we're at on Instagram. And, and I don't think to the scale we're at in terms of sales either, um, even so soon. Yeah, that, that's, that's just crazy. And how do you handle, you know, people like Wiz Khalifa? They just, they just DM you or how, how does that work? Yeah, literally DM. So, I mean... Like it's all, I don't really, I don't manage any of it anymore. It's just like coordinating. I've got a guy full-time that does all the influencer marketing stuff. Um, got a guy full-time that just purely does DMs, like literally just DMs. I think we get like 700 DMs a day now. So it's pretty insane. Um, and then, yeah, but, but yeah, as simple as that, like they just, they just reach out and DM. And it's a good job I've got someone on DM to answer it because, you know, it could get lost in the, lost in the, in, 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 the, in the dust of the other methods messages i suppose otherwise but um yeah it's crazy verified accounts and so on yeah that is that isn't it's crazy i was just looking at their followers and you can see the number growing day by day uh, but also i was i was checking the images i mean they're super cool uh and like do people just email you those images or they tag you and you you just you know reuse them or yeah, you have like so, an app, you use like an app to collect those images yeah yeah i use an app called 460 which is good i use it on my both my brands it's just like a, a user-generated content app so anyone that tags you you can like connect it to products and so on so on, on the product page it's all there and then and then you can download them for instagram um like full quality and so on so do a lot of that like most of the stuff we post is just stuff that people bought and then tagged us in because so it's perfect it's free content but in fact they paid us for the content right so 
Yeah, it works well. Um, I think just it's again, it's just such a visual product. It's not like a necklace, which you know, if you're taking a picture, unless you're super close up, you don't even know. You certainly don't know which brand it is. Um, but with like a sign, it you know, it affects the whole room. Like you can, people really want to take a picture of that, and I think a lot of people are just like, it's a very exciting product to get. Do you know what I mean? Like I've literally got 21 in my flat, and every time a new one arrives. 21's excessive, mind, but every time a new one arrives, it's like a cool unboxing experience, you know, and like putting it on for the first time. So it like, the way I look at it, and it's kind of cheesy, but I, I don't I don't view it as we sell products. I view it as we sell like feelings. We sell like a vibe, you know? Like I'm not selling LED neon strip because that shit doesn't sell. It's like we want to sell emotions. And like, how does it, how does it make you feel? And for me, like it just makes the whole room feel just more inspiring, like, kind of cringy but it's just true and that's kind of why i started it because it always made me feel that way like having a, a powerful message or whatever or even just having some random shit like i've got a skyline of new york in a sign it just looks good but i've also yeah. got some shit that says like create your own reality which is like my favorite sign that's like the first one i ever had i think it's the first one i filmed and had with um but yeah it's just like a cool message and people i think have an emotional attachment to that more than other products it definitely feels like it's a it's an aspirational product. Uh, people don't yeah, buy it definitely. for it because they need it, they want it. Oh, exactly. That's that's such a that's such a cool story. And you know, you, you've you've scaled your ads. Uh, right now, do you do all the all the you know all all the paid media yourself, or you hired an agency? No. Yeah, so I've not done my own paid media consistently for about probably nine months now with both my brands. Um, I've worked with a lot of agencies in the past. I've had nightmare experiences. Um, now, I actually, I do work with an agency now, but I view it more as in-house because it's a small agency. I know the guy very well. I, I actually used to work with him, like I mentioned earlier. We actually oh, had okay. that brand yep. together, so it's weird how that's turned out. But yeah, it is an agency, but it's like effectively in-house because he only really works on my two accounts because I think I'm his biggest accounts. So. so yeah, it works well. I mean, yeah, I don't do any of the media by myself. I just think, I'm not, I'm not the best person to do it because I'm not an expert anymore. You know, I was good enough yeah. to get started, but my time's better spent, you know, planning the next steps and, you know, paying someone, incentivizing someone to get me better results. Yeah. Which and, is and what I do. So, and when, you know, when you're deploying like a media buying strategy, uh, how does, like, how do you work with, with the agency? Do you, do you set, you know, specific KPIs? I mean, I assume if you, if you're seeing, a good raw ass you're just gonna scale uh, you're just gonna scale to like unlimited you don't have a budget or something yeah uh, kind so of i mean I've, i've started to get a bit more straight on budget like only in like the past month to be fair because we actually haven't been able to manage the scale almost the past few weeks just like a, like a nice problem <laughs> to have but it's literally been too much it's like I, i need to build the foundations a bit more before we go any further um but yeah like in terms of strategy i think i i never get very hung up on ad account ROAS, really, like attributed ROAS. The only thing I really look at is how much we're spending overall on ads and how much mm. we're getting back. Because I know my metrics, you know, I know the numbers. I know we need to be at about two and a half X overall to be profitable after everything, you know, roughly. So, you know, if we're spending 10K on it, I need to be getting 25 back to have like a good margin. And then beyond that is, is even better. Just so that's like the high level view. So, Because obviously we're running on, like our main, our main platform is Facebook and specifically Instagram. Um, after that is Google. 
Um, and then we've just started running Snapchat, Pinterest, and TikTok, literally in like the past few weeks. Um, but they're way, way smaller scale. So the like 90% of the spend is on Facebook and Google. So really, I'm just looking at an overall. I don't get too hung up on like ad account ROAS. But in terms of how I like structure the media buying, I just pay. Because I have a different guy that does Google and I have one guy that does Facebook. So two different media buyers um, for both the brands. But I structure it all as a percentage of spend based on ROAS. So, for example, you know, if we have crap ROAS, they're only getting 2% of spend. If we have really good, they might get 6%, for example. So yeah. then, you know, it works both ways. Because I've worked with guys in the past who might just do like 10% of spend and that there's no incentive and it just doesn't fucking work for anyone. <laughs> and I've had nightmare experiences because they're not incentivized to make your account good. Just like as simple as that. And, you know, it, it needs to work both ways. So... I, I always structure it that way and it works very well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to, you know, looking at, at your numbers, um, how much do you feel like, you know, right now, because you're running a brand uh, has impacted the way you scale your ads in terms of the front end and the back end of the business? Because yeah. obviously, obviously now, you know, people purchase once, they love the product. And it's even if you lose some money up front, they will come back and purchase over and over again. So how, how does that impact yeah. the, the way you, you, you know, scale? Yeah, it's definitely different to like pure AliExpress dropshipping because and I'm, I have mates that are still doing that. And I, I just passionately disagree with their views on a lot of things because they're so focused on how much cash can I make today? And it's kind of ironic, which I come on to because, I mean, I think you want to be at least break even on the front end because any self-funded business is just going to go out of business if you're losing money on the front end. That's just not good. But I mean, two things. Long-term, you're going to make more money if you're building a brand anyway, because people are coming back, like you say. But secondly, even if people haven't bought yet, for example, with the Neon in particular, like I'm running ads now knowing that come Q4, when we sail on, people are going to buy for the first time and they've been in the funnel for the past year. You know, they've been seeing the ads everywhere. They've been getting primed and then come Q4, we can just turn the taps on. So I'm, I'm not just looking at, you know, how much we're getting today. It's like, I know that every single person that's following that, following that Instagram account is a potential buyer and they're probably not going to buy now, but they very likely may consider buying in Q4, you know, when people have got more money, when people are trigger happy with spending, when, you know, when they've been in the funnel longer, when you built that social proof. So, yeah, I guess there's two sides to it. Um, firstly, being that people are going to come back, so you don't have to make as much money on the front end. But secondly, because you're going to be in it for the long term, you are going to compound that social proof, that social capital. You're going to get those reviews. You're going to get that user-generated content, referral purchases, et cetera, which you just don't get in the same way when it's just AliExpress dropshipping. Because yeah. even if the product's great, with say dropshipping, um, like traditional dropshipping, you're not building, you're not compounding, you're not building that following, you're not building that list, you're not compounding that social capital in the same way because a lot of drop shippers and you'll know this as well like have a fucking different website every month because they get their ad account disabled or whatever it might be the same product but like they're not building a name do you know what i mean people don't like happy trend palace or whatever happytrendpalace.com like some stupid drop shipping store that's going to have a different facebook page next week because you know their customer service is non-existent and people are just so obsessed with making money on the front end but ironically they're going to make no money long-term because Facebook's just getting more and more and more strict. And so are all of these platforms, you know, payment processes, everything. So unless people are really investing in building like an actual business with like customer service and, you know, and like 
don't get me wrong, like, not every part of my business is perfect. Certainly with the Neon, we've had some issues with customer service, but we're very proactively investing money now to fix it. So things like, I've got a team of 33 people now. We probably don't need that many people, but I want to make sure everyone's getting super quick responses, you know? And like yeah. having a UK factory, that's been a huge capital investment up front. You wouldn't do that if you're drop shipping because that's I'm making a loss on that in the short term. But I know that come Q4, the quality is going to be better, the speed's going to be better, the capacity is going to be higher. And you know, not even just Q4, I'm thinking like 2021, 2022. How much can I make then? It's about putting the foundations in now. So I guess everything is just viewing it in that way rather than how much can I pocket today. So, yeah, I, I feel like you have you have you know this amazing energy, and a lot of times I always, I, 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 oftentimes I argue with people when it comes to drop shipping. Uh, like you know, for someone that's doing drop shipping now, uh, what is like, what is what are the first steps they should do? So they, you know, they jump ship and they, they start, they start building a brand because people like, I talked to a lot of people and they say like, yeah, that's so complicated. I don't have time to scale. I really need that cash today. Um, like what were some of the steps that you, you took? Because it, it looks like even with, um, with midnight city, you know, the brand scaled pretty fast. It didn't like, it didn't take yeah. you, you know, like years to build it. So maybe some insights on that would be, would be awesome. Yeah. I think that there's, there's pros and cons to having, like a decent dropshipping career which i did i mean career so it's a funny term but you know what i mean like, i did it i did it to a level that i think is kind of not the very highest level there's certainly people that have done more dropshipping than i did but like you know i did like seven figure months or whatever I was like consistently doing six figures a month for like two years dropshipping so you make decent money um it's good and bad though like the bad side firstly is it makes you think that perhaps it's easier to make money then it maybe really is long-term because, you know, if you get a winning product or whatever, you know, is you can scale something super quick and make a lot of money, but actually that product might die next week. And that's not a real business. That's, that's an online scheme. Do you know what I mean? It's a temporary money-making setup. It's not a business. Um, but the pros of that are, it makes you think bigger as in, you, you know, you may have seen that scale dropshipping. So when you go and so when you go and build a brand, at least in my mind, you're not tiptoeing around it like, oh, you know, I need to make this perfect. You're just going to freaking scale the thing. If like, you know, once you built the foundations, you're in that mindset to scale and you realize that you've got to spend, if you want to be doing like 100 grand a day in revenue, you've probably got to spend 30, 40 grand a day on ads. You're not going to get there spending 25 quid a day on some ad, you know? So at least for me, it helped with that mindset. Um, but I think the, the reality of it is, and this is such a common question, is if you are getting started in e-commerce, I don't think there's a better way to do it than dropshipping. However, having said that, I think in 2020 and going into 2021, dropshipping doesn't just mean AliExpress bollocks. Um, I think what I would do if I was getting started, you need something that is cash flow positive from the start, really, which is hard anyway, but you certainly don't want to be investing in stock or investing in a factory or having massive overheads. I would do something like print on demand where you can have super quick shipping super good quality and you know you can do like custom products etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the same time you need like nothing to start it's it, it is drop shipping it's just drop shipping with kind of all the pros of building a brand in a way um rather than just selling like some i don't know kitchen gadget from aliexpress <laughs> you know like the classic 2016 yeah. drop shipping which <laughs> i did a lot of but um yeah so it's, it's difficult because you do need cash flow but you also need to think about building something which can compound your efforts over time. And that's why I think something like print on demand is perfect for people that are getting started, but also want to potentially turn it into something longer term. Um, 
But on the flip side of that, like, I know a lot of dropshippers who have made really good money and still do make good money. But my my, I actually live with one of them. He might listen to this, but I kind of said this to his face, so it's fine. Um, but my argument to him and what I don't understand is where are you where are you going next? Like, because like I don't know. Just for me, it's not just about making money. I mean, ironically, you're going to make more money long term anyway if you build a legitimate business which adds value to the economy in some way, right? That's what's going to happen. And you're not going to do that by selling some crap on AliExpress and having a new Facebook ad account every week, which this guy does. But also, it's like, as an entrepreneur, do you not want to create something from scratch? Like, I don't know. I think that is the game. It's not all about like, oh, how much can I make? You want to be able to meet someone and they ask what you do and you can actually tell them instead of be like, oh, I run this dropshipping store. I can't tell you what it is in case you rip me off. Like, that's not a business. That's just, that's like an illusion. Do you know what I mean? People think they're in, they're living in Bali or whatever. It's like the classic stereotype. They might be doing, I don't know, 100 grand a month drop shipping and revenue. They think they're a baller, but then their Facebook ad account gets disabled. But like, that's not a business. There's, there's no consistency there. And you, you're just not compounding your efforts. And it's like, do you want to be doing that when you're 30 years old, 35? I don't know. Like, I would just prefer to at least attempt to build something legitimate and, and long lasting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of my argument to, to the whole e commerce you know, two sides to e-commerce, I suppose. Yeah. And when it comes to like, you know, an exit, an exit strategy for you, if, if someone would come to you and say, I want to buy Neon Beach for, I don't know, let's just say like 15 million bucks. Uh, what, what would you say for, you know, to that person? Is it something interesting or? Well, they offer me 15 million quid seven months in, I would say, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> but I don't know what's going to happen just yet. But I very much do have an exit strategy for, I, I think, in e well in entrepreneurship but certainly in e-commerce i think you, you make the real money when you sell so you know like i would i mean i, I am profitable with the business in general but you're going to make most of the money when you come to sell so i've been looking at selling midnight city right now um i think it might be too premature and i might not get the price i want in reality but i would still get a very good amount out of it and that's nice you can bank that whatever go and invest it do something smart with it um and focus on the next thing. But yeah, like with Neon, I mean, yeah, I intend to probably scale this over the next three years and then sell it. Um, sell it for at least sort of 10, 15 million quid plus would, would, be, would be the plan. I mean, everyone says that. I haven't done that yet, but that's certainly the plan. Um, and I think, that, I think that's very realistic. Um, I, don't, I think if you can build a business to... I mean, if you could build a business of 30 million quid a year revenue, making four or five net profit, you could probably sell it for 20 million plus. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's a solid business that's consistent, like maybe even more, it just depends who's buying it. Cause you read about these stories like movement watches, you know, 200 million quid cash acquired by, by Mav- yeah. Mavado group. Obviously that's a huge conglomerate buying them. They got a massive multiple. They're kind of like, those dream unicorn acquisitions but there's also a lot of smaller acquisitions maybe in like the mid to high seven figures or low eight figures that you wouldn't even read about which happen every day you know like eight million quid or something like that and that sort of amount is going to set you up for life very well like people who have this illusion that you have to make 200 million quid out of econ to be like set you definitely don't and the people that say that definitely aren't going to do it anyway because they're the ones that are drop tripping but um so yeah that's kind of the plan i mean I think that's where the real money is going to be made when you can build something to sell. But to get to that level, you've got, you've got to build something legitimate, you know, and compound your efforts over time. And that's why I just find it the ultimate irony when dropshippers think, oh, I'm making so much cash. But it's like, 
well, you're not really because I'm going to get paid in three years properly. That's the plan. While also profiting very well now, you know, but thinking long term. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you know, people that are dropshipping, that's a great business model. But my question was always like, what's what's the end game? Like, how are you going to yeah. scale and, and exit this business at some point? Or you just want to, you know, quick profit exactly. and then, you know, just sunset the business? And uh, oftentimes, you know, they, they don't have an answer. Uh, and yeah, you know, when, when it comes to scaling the business, have you thought about approaching investors, getting, you know, some VC on board just so you can scale it to the next level? Have you ever thought about something like that? I've actually been approached a few times. I'm actually, it's funny you say that. I'm, I mean, I've been going through some, well, I'm going through that right now, actually, with the neon thing. Um, we'll see what comes of it, but I've been back and forth with a few different private equity stuff. Um, yeah, basically. So, because I, I, th- I think for two reasons, it's not so much that I would need need investment to scale it because it's very, and that's the beauty of e-commerce, at least in certain models, and particularly with the Neon, is that it is very cash flow efficient because everything's custom made, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, aside from like investing in a new factory and whatever. But I would take investment more for the like advice side of things. You know, I, I would like to get someone on board, not necessarily just for this brand, but for the business as a whole, like mm-hmm. my group of brands, which is where I want to want to go long term. You know, because I think the 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 twenty year vision is I want to run like a well, I, I might change my mind in ten years time because it's fucking hard. But you know, have, have a billion quid in revenue and have a group of brands, like that's a proper thing. Like that's kind of where I want to go. But yeah, to achieve that, I need. It's not just going to be me, is it? I mean, e- even on like the board or whatever, I. I I probably need someone that's been there, done that in, in their 60s to come and tell me what not to do. You know, they may not have done e-commerce, but they probably have a lot, well, they will have a lot more experience than me in, in every other area. And, you know, certain things like legals, tax, you know, whatever, like actual business things. Because I think that's kind of the problem with the whole dropshipping mindset is 95% of dropshippers probably don't even have a fucking company registered. It's just like into their personal bank account that, you ask them about tax and they just kind of change the subject. It's like none of it's real. Do you know what I mean? It's not legitimate. Yeah. It's just, it's not a real business. It's like, it's, yeah, it's just a lot of smoke and mirrors. But um, the other side of your question is I would, let's just say for sake of argument, someone offered me a million quid for 10%. Then something like that takes all risk off the table for me because, you know, I might invest a bit of money up front, a lot of my time more, more importantly, into the first year of this. And I might profit from it, but there's always the potential that something could go vastly wrong. But if I've taken some money off the table, whether from selling my other brand or from, you know, selling a chunk of this and, you know, to an investor that sees the potential, then ultimately I'm, I'm hedging, hedging my bets as well. So, you know, I'm good either way. Cause at the end of the day, if you want to scale something aggressively, it's always going to be risky. Um, there's a lot that could go wrong. Obviously you have to back yourself, but there's no guarantee you're ever going to get to that, you know, 50 100 million pound a year stage because you could get sued and Mm. everything ends before that right so i think yeah i'm I'm looking at potentially um selling some equity i mean it it depends depends what what it is but i think that's not a bad option for a lot of people for the two reasons i said yeah i think i think that's a really valid point and i love that you have the, this open mind, you know, the, the way you look at things. 
because I, sometimes I've talked to people, especially in the e-com uh, space, and they feel like, you know, I don't really want to hear about investors. I just want to be like bootstrap all, you know, all my life. I'm yeah. just going to do things like, you know, go to Bali and, you know, have like, you know, have drinks every night, which is totally yeah, fine. But, but, you know, reaching that level of, uh, you know, of, of growth that you're looking for. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can, you can probably do it yourself, but it's going to take yeah. years and years and years. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, having someone, someone on your side, that definitely it's going to make things uh, not easier, but I think faster. And yeah, definitely. I think it's kind of, and I'm, I'm optimizing two minds about it. It's like, I think it's the difference between sort of a bedroom brand, like a lifestyle business, if you like, and trying to build like a monster, you know, like something like Gymshark is obviously a classic case. Like it's only like seven years old. It's turning over like 400 million. You know, <laughs> that is a classic case of something which has chosen chosen the risky hard route to try and build a monster but having that's not necessarily the best option i think a lot of people myself included get caught up in the whole oh i'm gonna be a billionaire or whatever i want to build a hundred million pound a year business it's like like hold on a second like that's fucking hard do you know what i mean there's not many people doing that it's it might be better for a lot of people and you have to decide and be self-aware about it to build a two million pound a year business that really doesn't take that much of your time you know it's very well, well managed kind of similar to midnight city to be honest um like i said that probably do like three or four million this year in revenue that by itself doesn't take a lot of my time like it's it's a lot more lifestyle business than this neon thing because this neon thing i've kind of gone two feet first and i'm just like okay fuck it let's go i want to scale this thing to like multi-eight figures next year which i, I definitely do want to do but it might get to the point where it's like well even if I could scale that or, an, or something else, you know, beyond that, it might start getting detrimental because you, you have to really decide what your goals are. I mean, I'm not saying that anyone can just build a hundred million pound business, you know, out of choice because they certainly can't. And I've not done that yet, but I think you have to just be self-aware to, to know why you're trying to achieve what you are trying to achieve and like be, a re- be realistic about the numbers. Cause for me, it's like, I want to financially not have to worry about money ever again, you know, in like the next few years. I don't think that number is as big as people think it is, but then beyond that, it's kind of just a game, isn't it? Cause you could have all the money in the world, but you have to be doing something you enjoy. Otherwise you're going to get bored. So I'm going on a bit of a rant, but I think my point is, <laughs> I think you have to be self-aware about why you're trying to scale the way you're trying to scale and what that, the actual implications of that, not just money. Cause you know, you might be a lot happier doing, you know, one or two million a year in revenue, which is no, no small fee either. And just having like more of a lifestyle business, or you might be the person that's like, well, fuck it. I, I want to build a billion dollar company. And, and for that, you probably are going to need, you know, investors getting other, other people on board, you know, a lot, a lot heavier due diligence with a lot of things. So it's just being self-aware and I'm yeah. trying to figure that out myself, I suppose. I think this is, this is such a classic case where, you know, you're able to build a high growth business. And the cool thing is that you're not thinking to keep it all, you know, for yourself and be like, yeah, I'm going to be, you know, the boss, like no one's going to touch me. I'm going to be the one that runs things. Uh, and it feels like, you know, you're just 24 and uh, you have, you have such an open mindset and it's just, it's just amazing, uh, you know, to be able to talk to people like you who understand that in order to create value uh, at some point you would have to, you know, 
get other people on board. I mean, if you yeah. think about, you know, if you think about, you know, like Amazon or whatever public company you want to think of, like these people got like crazy rich, but at the same time, like how many other people got rich because of the value oh, yeah. they created? And, yeah, exactly. you know, people, people believe that, yeah, you know, like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, they're like some lucky guys, you know, they, they you know, they got lucky with what they did. But as a matter of fact, it was, you know, it was all, and it is, it is basically, it is a plan uh, where you have to have yeah. other people, people on board. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess um, there's definitely like so many different levels to it, isn't there? It's like you can go from like a bedroom brand to freaking Amazon and there's every level in between. It's just, yeah, figuring out like where you want to aim. But then also doing each level because it's one thing saying, oh, I'm aiming for a hundred million pound a year revenue, let's say, but you've got to do that five million revenue first, that 10 million, 20 million. And, and there's different problems and and different implications at each stage, right? It's like, I'm finding there's a lot more growth problems now because I'm managing a lot more people than I previously was. So now it's like, I'm having to think about, well, do I need to hire a general manager or, or a COO or something, which I've never thought about before. And you kind of get imposter syndrome a bit. I mean, I, I've found that quite a lot. I think a lot of people in the e-commerce space probably find that it's like, because you can build like an eight figure business, let's say from what feels like just from a laptop, but you kind of forget that, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of real people and a lot of real money changing hands in the course of that. Do you know what I mean? It kind of feels yeah. like a game because it's on, just on a screen. It's certainly in lockdown, it's on a screen because you can't even <laughs> meet people. It's just like Zoom calls or whatever. So yeah, yeah I think for me, I've recently, past few months, it's just it's trying to just look at things from a third person perspective and be like, well, it might just feel like you know, because I used to do the whole barley thing or whatever, I felt like more of a hobby, but it's it's definitely not, it's not that anymore. It's morphing into more of a, more of a legitimate entity and something which, you know, yeah. does generate a lot of cash and does ha have a lot of responsibility, like legally, financially and whatever. So, yeah, and I know that I don't know fucking shit about a lot of that. I know what I do know, but I also am more aware of what I don't know now. So I think seeking advice and potentially investors or just in advice in general and having yeah. like a good accountant on board, a good lawyer, all that sort of shit becomes yeah. more important as, as you scale up. So just all, uh, all things that I've been spending my time on. Yeah. And then, and when it comes to your to the lifestyle, uh, do you feel like you want to go back to that, you know, digital nomad thing, or you just pretty much want to, you know, want to stay in London and keep on building the business yeah, there, you know, hands on. I mean, it's a, it's a weird one. I feel like it's always grass is greener. If I'm in Bali, I'd probably be like, fuck this. I want to go hustle and like scale <laughs> because I can't work or whatever. But then so, like certainly in lockdown, it's like, oh, it'd be so nice to just go to Bali or whatever. Um, I think really, again, it comes down to self-awareness. Like, I've done the whole like full-time traveling thing for like two years. The intention this year was to have more of a base, which I've had for, like the past year now, um, and still travel less than I used to, but certainly not, not at all like we have been, but obviously lockdown came. So after lockdown, I mean, I still want to travel, but I think travel for me now is realistically going to be more of a holiday and just, you know, not working. Cause I just personally don't think you can build at least to the level I'm trying to build the business. If, if you're like just in Bali, you know, you're working from shit Wi-Fi, you don't know where your desk is every day. Do you know what I mean? I think that there's yeah. only so far you can go with that. That's not to say there isn't people in Bali or whatever doing very well, but I think if you honestly looked at it, the vast majority of them 
aren't doing as well as they say they are for a start and probably aren't building long-term businesses. They're all sort of stuck in the illusion of dropshipping, you know, and, you know, going out partying and drinking every night, which is fine. And I've done that and that's great. But I think there's a, you just have to, there's, there's a time and a place in life for different things. And I feel like I've got a lot of momentum right now where I am. So certainly the business is going to be the priority over travel for the next few years. Um, but I, I still will travel, but it'll just be more of a holiday, I think. Yeah. And really curious, uh, do you think being able to live in a city like London, which is, you know, full of startups, businesses and, you know, high growth, and I mean, you know, like high performing people, do you think like that has an impact on what you do? Or it was just, you know, like a decision, like, yeah, I like London, I'll just stick here. Oh, I think it definitely has, has an impact. That was a very intentional decision because London's the wealthiest city in the world. Like, I mean, that's certainly not the only reason I live here. I, I live here because I think it's the best city in the world. And I, I think it objectively is the best city in the world. <laughs> I mean, other people would disagree and say it's very subjective, but that's my opinion. Um, but like even the flat we live in, like it's kind of bougie. It's like we have a penthouse flat with like a spiral staircase and shit. It probably sounds more bougie than it is, but it's cool. I mean, <laughs> we intentionally live in a cool place because uh, and we have a good view and so on. But I think that's so important. Um, and I spoke about it in, in our podcast, like this like mess around podcast we started doing. You might have seen it. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it is very important because particularly, and of course, I'm not saying at all that life's all about making money, blah, blah, blah. But in, in, like in an entrepreneurial sense, if you can meet, and I have met a lot of entrepreneurs here, definitely through being in London um, and feeling like a small fish in a big pond because I'm from York in the north. I, I could go and... I'm at, I put an offer in this morning. So I'm actually waiting to hear back from him. But that's as more like an investment and a country retreat. I wouldn't want to live there. Certainly not yeah. now. Because if I was there, I would feel like a baller, mm. which which I would be basically, certainly compared to the other younger people there. Um, but, you know, in London, particularly near where we live, it's like you go, you go out. If you don't see like five Rolls Royces, that's a weird day. Like you just don't get that in other places. Um, Obviously, it's just a car, but like, it, I don't know, it helps that mindset of thinking bigger. You know, there's amazing houses or whatever. You've got the outside lockdown. You've got the opportunity to meet just interesting people, not necessarily e-commerce, but, you know, just from, yeah. from all walks of life. And I, I just think it, it feels big. Like, I like having, the, the, we've got this amazing skyline view and like at nighttime, it's just, I, I just think it's inspiring. Like, it might sound a bit cheesy, but it's like, there's so much wealth and opportunity out in the world. Like it, you don't have to create it. You just have to, I think Grant Cardone says it and I kind of like him or whatever, but you just have to transfer it to you. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it already exists. Like the economy is huge. Like people can say what they want, but it's just about building something and, you know, taking your bit. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it's in, in, you know, direct correlation with the value that you provide. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the more value you provide for the, for the world, for the economy, the more, the more equity you're going to have and the more, uh, you know, wealthier you're going to get. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. I, I kept telling you that, uh, I'll have to come visit someday, but right now with the whole thing that's going on. Yeah. Geez, so many people to... said they were going to visit. Yeah. Well, I'll still be here. Like I intend to live here for, well, probably forever. Certainly the next few years as a base. I just think it's the overall great place to be so and yeah it's good yeah awesome 
Awesome. It was, uh, it was such a cool, such a cool conversation. Uh, we have, we have one question at the end, uh, something that we ask uh, all of our guests. And that question is, if you could send one text message to every person in the world, what would that be? Oh, to every person? Oh, yeah. Um, one text message to everyone in the world. Um, I would probably say what I've been saying to myself in like meditation almost for like the past few years certainly in the past year and there's like three key values i'm trying to live by now um and i and it's focus simplicity and patience i'd probably say those three words like that sounds like so fucking cheesy like the end of a music video some bollocks but i, I just honestly like and if you want to add two more words to that it's consistency and time so hmm. yeah that, that's just what i tell myself every day now that they're the key the key ways to live not even just in like entrepreneurship, but focus, simplicity, patience, consistency, and time. And with those three or five values, if you like, then I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything you can't do ultimately in a lifetime. So I'd probably say yeah. that. Yeah. That, that's a good mantra to, uh, to live by. Yeah, I think so. I, I tell myself every day. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, cool. Anything else you want to add to, you know, anyone that's listening? I think, oh Christ, I mean, I think certainly in an e-commerce sense, just what we spoke about is, is testament to the fact that if you go, if you're going to talk about doing something, you just got to do it because in other areas of life as well, it's like this, this coronavirus thing is kind of proven to everyone that nothing is certain. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I would just fucking start that start that business if because or, or whatever it is because there's no point talking about it because you know if i hadn't started this neon thing seven months ago I, I would still be talking about it but actually now it's a real thing and there's like it's a tangible thing that just through time and effort i've created and so that's quite cool that you can do that with just you know with access to the internet you know and consistent effort and a bit of knowledge, which you can gather over time, that you, you can build something pretty significant in not too long a space of time. So I think just getting started is key if people are listening that haven't started. Awesome, Matt. So um, where what's the best place for people to connect with you, learn more about you, also maybe listen to your podcast? Yeah, honestly, like I'm not much of a public figure. I suppose on Instagram, at Matthewsius, which was kind of a piss take of that um, – Chinese philosopher called Confucius. So that's M A T T H U C I U S. Probably Instagram, like personally. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't really put myself out there a huge amount. Um, not like a lot of these gurus who are faking faking their screenshots and shit. But um, that's probably the best place. Um, we we did start a podcast. It's kind of it's not as serious as this one. I don't think. I mean, just get, just search like unfiltered podcast e-commerce on YouTube, and there's like I think we did like nine episodes in lockdown. The intent, the intention there is to get a few guests on and so on, but to be honest with you, it's not, it's not hugely serious. But if you want to have a gander, there's quite a lot of good stuff in there, I think. So. Thanks for joining us today. If you're on Shopify, check out Cardloop.io or just search for Cardloop in the Shopify App Store. Cardloop is a text messaging platform your customers will love. It not only helps you increase your sales 
but it also provides a better shopping experience for your customers by building one-to-one -one relationships with each one of them through text messages. And the cool thing about it is that there's no time required for you and your team, as we've got a whole team of experts handling the conversations 24-7. If you want to learn more about it or test drive Cardloop, we've got a seven-day free trial. So just go to cardloop.io and get started for free. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.